From True Africa, I'm Claude Winitsky, and this is Limitless. In this episode, we're talking about women in politics. First of all, we have 54 countries in Africa. How many women presidents we have? What they do is they pit women against each other. Leadership is gender neutral. Welcome to Limitless, the podcast that asks the questions that matter for Africa. We're looking for African solutions to African problems. In each episode, we're asking three guests one question that matters to Africans. And, no surprise, they don't always agree. The Limitless podcast is supported by the U.S. Department of State and the Scenefire Foundation. Africa is actually doing relatively well in getting women into political leadership positions. Rwanda, South Africa, Senegal, and Ethiopia, they lead the world in terms of women members of parliament. But that's not the story for the whole continent, and there are still very few female heads of state. Dr. Obi Ezekwesili knows what it takes to be a woman in power. She is a Harvard University graduate, former education minister in the Nigerian government, and ex-vice president of the World Bank for the Africa region. I admire her for one thing in particular. She started the movement Bring Back Our Girls after the Chibok kidnapping. Here's our conversation. I want to know how we can get more women in political leadership. You know, you were a minister of solid minerals in Nigeria. You were also uh, a very important minister of education. So I think a lot of women can learn from you as they think of getting into political leadership. One of the things about political leadership and all the things that go with people making personal progress as we would regard it. I mean, you re- you reeled out uh, the different uh, things that I have done well, with my life is that you might get caught up in the hubris of just living for yourself. But then what kind of life is that? Right. I never sort of sat down and, uh, you know, sort of designed a pathway uh, of uh, the jobs that I want to do in life. I actually just simply said, I have assignments that I must fulfill. I looked at every, I looked at my life as a series of assignments. Anyone can do a job and any good living, yes. but not everybody can do assignments. That sense of purpose about my being, that sense that I want to strive for more. I want to see, I want to see more children of the poor, see, uh, uh, realize their potentials. I want to see women who are less productive become so productive that they can, they can change communities. I want to see the girls look at themselves and say, there's no barrier, there's nothing stopping me from attaining leadership because, you know, leadership is gender neutral. There is nothing that handed leadership to the hand of the male child when he was coming into the world. There are barriers that are conditioned into the minds of society to perceive women as not being enough for leadership. But I want to look at the young African woman and say to her, or even the woman anywhere, young woman anywhere in the world, and say, come on, go, girl. You got everything that it takes to stamp your existence in the mind of the world. And the only way that I know is the way of service. 
I, I hear you. What specific advice do you think you can give them, given that many of them look at you as a role model, given your high achievements? So the advice is at what level, whatever level you are right now, don't make it about yourself. Serve. Just serve. I want to take it to the Bring Back Our Girls movement, which got a lot of press a few years ago. Did that help you to understand how to get people to listen? And, 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 and even people like Michelle Obama, how did you go about getting people to listen to that? I think that by making the girls not just be another piece of news, people could relate to them. They, when they heard the word, bring back our our girls. It wasn't bring back the girls. It was our girls. Everyone immediately felt a sense of affinity. Right. Empathy was easy to establish by making these girls the human beings that they are. Our next guest, Busisiwe Seabe, was one of the leaders of the Fees Must Fall student protest in 2015. She was 20 years old and attending Wits University in Johannesburg at the time. Fees Must Fall was a campaign to stop the increases in student fees. It grew into a huge political movement. I asked her how we can get more young African women into politics. But that's a very interesting question, and I think it's a question that has come up a lot. And um, I think it, it would be looking at framing or creating or nurturing young girls and women to become leaders of themselves more than leaders of society or other individuals, right? Um, it would be to teach young girls to stand up for themselves, to speak up, to express themselves, and as you know, the South African Miss Universe says, to take up space, right? Zozimbini says that we should take up space, and this is not something that is taught. Um, this is not something that is nurtured in South Africa to a large extent. You know, as young girls, we are taught that our place is beside a man, and it is to support a man. So I think our entire existence, to a large extent, is young black women in South Africa is to accommodate um, people. It's to accommodate patriarchy. It's to accommodate sexism. It's to accommodate capitalism. It's to accommodate exploitation. So I think for me, what becomes very important is to ensure first and foremost that all young black girls have access to education. And this is important in South Africa and in Africa as a continent because of the fact that our literacy rates are appalling. And I think that speaks a lot to not only access, but it also speaks to the content. Um, most of the time when we are, you know, fortunate enough to access institutions of high learning or to learn how to read and write. It is done from a positionality of trying to transform us into um, you know, non-whites. Um, and we cling to an identity that is not ours. And it's a very unfortunate thing because this is something that is taught from a very young age. You see it when you look at the kind of toys that children play with, the fact that we're playing with you know, Malibu Barbie with blonde hair and blue eyes, as opposed to playing with you know, the Zozi doll with an Afro and brown eyes. It's those little things that I think we need to start a dressing. Politics is in everything that we do, from the food that we eat to the clothes that we wear. Everything is political. And if we don't take that seriously and frame the kind of politics we want young people to engage in, we're going to be left with, you know, a politics that favors the West or a neoliberal capitalist kind of agenda. 
Do you think that South Africa is now doing a better job of making space for women in politics? What they do is they pit women against each other and it becomes a survival of the fittest game amongst women um, in order to ascend to specific positions. And this is where things like the pull her down syndrome come from. And this is where you see a lot of women say they would rather lead a group of men than they would lead a group of women because we have been conditioned as women in South Africa to fight each other and to fight for minimal resources, to fight for, you know, marginal space spaces to fight for you know breadcrumbs um as opposed to directly going to challenge our male counterparts for what we know um we deserve and what we're qualified for um i i don't think in south africa women are confident in the leadership of other women and i think that this is more of a not only societal thing but it is also a educational um, conditioning, and it is also based on experience. We haven't experienced women in positions of power that have transformed, you know, our societies, our communities. Our final guest is Noella Corsaris Musunka, who's Congolese, but was brought up in Europe where she worked as a model. She has another passion. It started at the age of 18 when she returned to Congo to meet her mother. There, she witnessed firsthand the poverty and lack of education for women. In 2007, she set up Maleika, a school in rural Congo. It now educates over 400 girls. What do you think should be done and how can we get more women into political leadership in Africa and elsewhere? First of all, we have 54 countries in Africa. How many women president we have? Seriously, not even five. It's disgusting. You know, I think the future is women and the present. And I think the future of Africa, we need to have more women into power and at very key roles. We need, you need to prepare them for it. You educate them, teach them leadership skills. You give them leadership responsibility, inspire them to take ownership of the, the present, the future. And as I say, Malaika is a leadership school. Our girls take part in girls' school. They have their own government body. How does uh, Malaika specifically encourage its students to take up leadership roles? Malaika team on the ground is made up of Congolese men and women. We have a number of women who are in leadership roles at Malaika and who are extremely skilled and capable leaders uh, and adapt themselves and street smart leaders. Because in Africa, you need to be really street smart. A key to helping women take up leadership role is to train them well, to have women in leadership position from the start, to create a culture that recognizes the leadership of women. Again, educating the communities essential where there might be barriers to accepting women in leadership due to long-standing cultural belief. Our country manager, Sarah, is a woman. She's a woman. She speaks French, Swahili, English. She's a real leader. So our students and our community can really look up to her. And a lot of them want to become like her. You know, it was very tough at the beginning to find even woman teacher. Why, why was that? So because it was, you have to imagine 15 years ago that women a lot were staying home and looking after their family. And suddenly it was something very innovative to be a teacher. And another point is they want to go to work where it's a very good and safe environment and where there is toilets and sanitation. 
Well, I noticed in some of the online video conversations that I participated in that were organized around Malika's local leadership, a lot of these women are very, very strong. They have um, built up their resilience. You know they can face any challenge. But I can see a critical path where they might be encouraged to get into local politics themselves because they want to enact change perhaps on a on a bigger level. Is that something that you have encouraged or do you strictly just stay out of politics and focus only on education? No, we stay out of politics. Uh, we really focus on education and on the career path. The first cohort of Malaika girls will be leaving Malaika, uh, my gosh, uh, end of next year, in one year and a half. So this is a big step for Malaika. And we're seeing the aspiration. Huh? We, we're seeing, we're already preparing them what they want to do, if they want to do technical classes or university, or if they want to work already in the community. And not a lot of them are interested in politics. I think because they come from a very poor background, and I think they were disappointed of the, um, they know our school is free. All the school in Congo, you have to pay. So they felt in their education, their um, government were not there. So they're feeling that as individual, they will be more able to do things and uh, uh, and really push for, for a big change in the community and the country. But don't get me wrong, politics is, it's important. They are the one that can really bring the change. We're not looking for simple answers on this podcast. We believe Africa's potential is limitless and women are key to fulfilling it. Women leaders in Africa are nothing new. Throughout our history, women have led armies, fought for independence, and brought about peace. But there's no denying that we need women, and men of course, to help build a fair society. Noella, Busisiwe and Obi are three very different leaders, but they do have one thing in common. They all know how to take up space. Thanks for listening. To find out more, visit www.trueafrica.co slash limitless or follow True Africa on Facebook and Twitter. Join in the conversation using the hashtag LimitlessAfrica. You've been listening to Limitless. I'm Claude Granitsky. The Limitless podcast is a production of True Africa. This podcast is made possible with a grant from the U.S. Department of State and the Scene Fire Foundation.